recording on the website cast. I see three recording, four recording, five recording, six recording. That's perfect. Great. You don't have to do anything. That's what I'm trying to develop a podcasting system where everyone except for me has to do nothing at all. And if I can figure out a way where you don't even have to talk or think, I will have perfected my system. Oh, yeah, no. I can just, if you, if I can just insert a USB into my skull, Cronenberg style, and then just hand you my feed, I mean, that'd be ideal. I mean, that would be, that would be perfect, right? If I could, if I could minority report style, just get three wet, uh, bald people to send me a little sphere containing what you're going to say would be ideal. And then I punch that into one, you know, that TikTok voice where it's like, ah, yes. Oh, yeah. I am, <laughs> I am going to kill the president. But no, but <laughs> it's talking like, no, but what I think about community is that it was an underrated show. It should not have been canceled, but it is okay. It was saved by Yahoo Screen. We got six seasons. Where's the movie? Where's that movie? Come on, Netflix. It would save your platform if you made the community movie. I think it's oh, a good plan. Nothing. Nothing. Sa- no. Algorithms got Netflix into this mess. They are not getting them out of it. I don't. Community is not an algorithm. Community defies. No, no, no. Netflix's <laughs> problems. Yes, exactly. No, Netflix has been backed itself into its corner. Justin. Now, now, you know, we were supposed to have a couple hosts, but, you know, Jace is, is busy with off-Broadway business, and Daddy yeah. Host is on vacation. Daddy Host is like, I can pop in for a minute, and I said, how dare you? Don't. Do not interrupt your vacation to do this podcast. But I have to ask you, Justin, because it's just you and me, and we yeah. share several common interests, is sure. the One Piece show what's going to kill Netflix dead? I is the, hope so. Is the expense I... of attempting... A One Piece live action show. The hubris to attempt a One Piece live action show. Even among the many terrible live action anime adaptations. Mm. Your Death Notes, your I feel like there was a full metal alchemist one that like people watched. Oh yeah, um, yeah, there yeah, there was and went nowhere. I, there I, was another one recently, but I can't even fucking remember what it is. Cowboy Oh, of course it was fucking Cowboy The thing everyone has immediately wiped from their memories. Yeah, isn't Peak TV great where, like, there's there's a thousand television shows and nobody knows what they are? In the same manner of uh, Peak Cinema being everyone's hot, nobody's horny, uh, Peak yes. TV is everyone's watching and nobody's entertained. And no one's entertained and everyone's watching, but nobody's watching the same thing. So every show has like one viewer. Yeah. It's like peak TV is so fucked up that like there's a show right now with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. And you didn't know that. I did it. I had to tell you. And I know about it. And Little Murder's gun to my head. I would never be able to tell you what it's called. I would never be able to tell you what it's like. Two of the... And I understand that, like, it's been a while since those two were, like, incredibly relevant movie stars, but it wasn't that long ago. And the fact that they are just, like, on TV right now on a show that no one's heard of is baffling. Like, okay, like, the Sean Penn, I can accept that. The Julia Roberts... Is right high, is a lot harder to stomach That's because baffling. she is a she she was Miss Movie Star. She no, was, she is an institutional treasure. Like if to you, cinema, 
yeah, if you asked me to name a movie star, the name that comes to my mind is Julia Roberts, right? Because she could sell any movie on charisma alone. She never did television. She was, I feel, very selective in her movies. Not that they were always great, but like... They were oh, wait, always. Did you say Julia Roberts? Because I swear I thought you said Julia Andrews, which had baffled no. me even. No, yeah, I said Julia Roberts. Julia Andrews would have also been wild. Would have also yeah. Been no, nuts. that would be like, why is Grandma on television? Who put right. Grandma in front of Who the put TV? Grandma? Julia Andrews, you have Aquaman money. Why are you here? Yeah, but um. No, Julia Roberts. Oh, if that's you still asked fucked up. Me, it's still fucked up. And 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 you know, again, not every movie she ever made was great, but they always felt very particular. They always felt very selected. They felt curated. Yeah, in a like way she had that a you good want, manager. Yeah, in a way that you want a movie star to do. You know, the closest she ever came to slumming it was like Ocean's Eleven and Twelve. Uh, which is not my definition of slumming no, it. No, that's not slumming. Exactly. That's what that's I'm saying. That's having the a nice closest. time with your friends. Exactly. Working with the director who, like, just got you an Oscar, you know, like, and he's like, come in and be the hot lady in the Oceans franchise. And yeah, she no. said, okay. That's like the summer camp of filmmaking. Right. Like, it's just a bunch of folk, a bunch of fellas hanging out. They're making a little movie in Vegas, and then they're making a little movie in Europe, and then they're making a little movie in Vegas again. Um, yeah. I love those movies dearly. All of them. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but, and she is sadly absent from Ocean's 13. Um, I do not know why. Um, but, yeah, it's scant. Also, you have to, like, do some really careful arithmetic to get the heist crew in that movie to 13. You have to, like, really, you have to, like, okay, does Eddie Izzard count? Is that, like, the 13? Um, <laughs> the 13th? You have yeah. to do some real fucking Hollywood accounting to get that to 13. Uh, you're like, okay, the Night Fox, that can't count. And Andy Garcia counts, but he's replacing Julia, so that's only 12. So, yeah, I guess Eddie Izzard? Um, whatever. And, I feel like you've uh, kind of lost the premise of your own movie if the audience struggles to count to 13. I just, I, f- I mean, the actual number is, like, so unimportant, right? It's like, well, it's 11, it's 12. It does have to be 13. Uh, that does have to be what the next one is called. Uh, Are we getting our they, Oceans 9? No, no way. That movie made no money. Um, it is not beloved. No, Oceans 9 is 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 not happening, my friend. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was fine. It's the fourth yeah. best Oceans movie out of five. It's better than the Sinatra one. <laughs> yeah, I'll fucking skunk that, that blue-eyed fool. I'll fucking take that guy to task. I don't give a shit. Your movies are boring. Every Frank, Sina- Frank Sinatra, you're canceled. Yeah, yeah, canceled. Uh, you been blasted. Welcome back to the blast cast where we fucking blast. We put you on blast, <laughs> and uh, today we're going Frank Sinatra. Fucking, I put you on blast. You work for the mafia. I put you on blast. You canceled. You called Sammy Davis. You called Sammy Davis Jr. A what? Oh, you're in the sights. Mask off. Frankie you. takes the mask off. Welcome back to the Blast Cast, where I'm fucking blowing Frank Sinatra away. Uh, and I'm taking them all down. Frank Sinatra Jr., Nancy, they're all fucking going down. I ain't fucking, I, I'd serve no quarter to the Sinatra family. Um, but, uh, yes, I do think it is, my, it is my current prediction that the One Piece show, which, again, is an impossible task to take One Piece and adapt it into a live action. You would need 
Well, I, I would argue otherwise because the Universal Studios stage shows have been wildly successful. That's completely different. You're in a theme. The rules at theme parks are so different. That's the rules true. at like what qualifies as uh, staged entertainment at a theme park is so so wildly different than than what it would count. Yeah, if That's they were true. making one Stunt piece show has its the, own reality. Yes, Waterworld the Sun Show is its own reality. And if they were making one piece the ride, okay, interesting. Now we're talking. That could be something. But one piece the live action series Absolutely. There is literally, in the history of visual media, two people who I think could make a decent One Piece series. Their names are Lana Wachowski and Lily Wachowski. Yes, if yes. If they are not involved, train wreck. Oh, I yeah. just, I cannot imagine this thing being any, the tone control, the mastery over visual effects that Master is required. Visuals, the pacing. Like net, the the, which is easily Netflix's weakest biggest weakness. <laughs> yes, like every like like. Have you seen the uh? What was it like the pentad, or like the the pentatart. the pentaverite? Yeah, the the new Mike Myers show. No, it is. It's 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 haunting me on like the PlayStation Four home menu. But I'm like, I can't click on this. I am not, you know, I'm, I'm now an episode behind on Barry. I'm two episodes behind on Atlanta. I have two episodes of Russian Doll season two. I cannot click on the Pentaverite and read the words from that grim book that will welcome the evil into my living room. I can't deal with the Pentaverite right now. But you're saying it has pacing issues, shockingly? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, and especially, and, you know, what if Austin Powers okay, was, like, the director's cut? Ah, where they are no longer lean, mean, 90-minute machines. I don't have those run times off the top of my head. No, but, like, but if yeah, there is no, a... it's, it's Austin Powers with all the fat. Uncut. Oh, boy. All the, one of those weird cuts you see, like, on TV where they, like, put all the deleted scenes back in. Yeah. Um, so that it can fill, like, a two-hour runtime. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it's one of those, like, fan edits where they put in all the deleted scenes. Yeah. All right, Austin Powers 1, a tight 91 minutes. The Ooh. Spy Who Shagged Me, a tight 95 minutes. Um, oh, where is Goldmember? I just want an easy clickable link. Goldmember, a tight 95 minutes. And I think anything beyond, and I bet if I pulled up the Wayne's World run times, they would be similar. That is sort of the golden amount of time that Mike Myers' shtick is charming and beautiful and funny before mm. it would become, I have to imagine, insufferable. Wayne's oh, World no. 1, and remember, 90 minutes. This is Mike Myers in eight different roles. <laughs> ah, he's Nutty Professor Aang, of course. Yeah, both Wayne's Worlds are exactly 95 minutes. How? Okay, that is actually astounding that out of those five movies that we just listed from Mike Myers' two primary non-Shrek franchises... None of them are over 100. Four of them are exactly 95 minutes. That is, he has found a sign. You know when you hear about like pop music producers who are like, we found the mathematical code to make good pop songs and they have exactly this amount of uh, lyrics. They have exactly this amount of chorus. They have a bridge that is exactly this length. Mike Myers has And don't forget the millennial uh, yop or whatever that... <laughs> 
Oh, what? Sound is. What? Oh, the. Ooh, oh, ooh, oh. Oh, yes, 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 Like that sound. Yeah. Mike Myers found that for dazzling character comedies. And unfortunately, but okay, but how long is the love guru? If The first episode of the Pentaveret is 31 minutes. No. 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 That's too long. Then they go 29, 26, 23, no. 21, no. 29. No. You need to get the, Pentav- the Pentaveret down to at least a NBC broadcast 21 and a half minutes. But honestly, if we're, if we're being truthful with ourselves, you need to get that down to the Adult Swim 11. Yeah. You need to get the, pen- the Pentaveret down to the length of a Joe Para Talks With You. Is, is oh, sort yeah, of yeah, the yeah. the well, uh, you know Love Guru eighty seven minutes so he broke they have to they have to be just over ninety is the golden ratio of my yeah Christ. that is that is they uh, they also can't be wholly sincere about how to process grief no what no what yeah no Love Guru was partly him dealing with the loss of his father oh Jesus. Right, because right, he got super into Deepak Chopra yeah. in the wake of his father's death. And then, so he made the love guru as a love letter to Deepak Chopra, even though, like, if I were Deepak Chopra, I would be like, that's what you got from, <laughs> from me, is the love guru? That's what you got? That's what you have? Fuck. Really? We got Ben Kingsley for this? If I remember correctly, as, um... Guru Tuggin Maipuda, if I remember the name of Ben Kingsley's character correctly. We got a white guy named Ben for this? We got a white guy named Dave. Is Ben Kingsley part Indian? I don't think so. I think he's just Scottish. I think he's just Scottish? So Gandhi is like one of history's great hate crimes? No, I don't know. It's a good movie. Oh, okay. I've never seen it. It's very long. Oh, never mind. He he is, um... Okay. Oh, he, he is Indian. Excuse me. Okay, it's not it's not for me to say whether or not anything is appropriate, but I'm glad that he is at least. <laughs> That's fine. We can cut this. No, no, no. It's staying the fuck. <laughs> no, it's all staying in. It's all gold, Justin. I'm being asked to be put on a podcast with Frank Sinatra. Only this can go well. You know, Dean Martin once hosted a roast of uh, Frank Sinatra where um, Peter Falk did it in character as Lieutenant Frank Columbo. Oh, that's I just like that's how big I'm sorry but just like my co-host would never care about anything like this that's how big Columbo was that, oh like, no, no no Columbo is so big his kid is in Lupin the third yes like exactly. the anime thief he, show he has a legacy character in the Lupin universe there is a statue of him in Budapest in character. In the movie, in the Vim Vendors film, Wings of Desire, they needed someone who is, and I, I'm you know, paraphrasing, like, immediately recognizable and beloved. Um, and so they chose Peter Falk to play an actual, like, former angel. As Peter Falk. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah they're like, the kids are like, is that Columbo? Yeah, and and Peter Falk is a former angel, and and that is the casting of Peter Falk in that movie. Is you need someone who is both a celebrity and immediately believable as someone who is an angel from heaven. Is hey, Peter no, Falk? No, he beat the Manson family. 
That's right. And I believe uh, if you follow that uh, series of books, he also solved uh, the what was going on in that grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He He did. I believe there is another book in that same uh, author's same uh, library. Oh, but... if only we could uh, bust a nine, like ninety-five-year-old Columbo out of retirement to solve nine eleven, to solve January sixth, to solve the incident. yeah, to solve. He's like a hundred and five. He's like. He's in, he's in like a fully automated wheelchair. And yeah, we he's need got ro- like the Stephen Hawking speak computer. No, we need like Robo Columbo. We need to import Columbo's brain into a robot so he can love him and be like, just one more question. <laughs> oh, 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 no, no, that's Columbo in the 32nd century. Yeah, Colum Robo. Colum Robo. Columbo bot. <laughs> Columbo bot. Uh, but actually, Kennedy is a good segue into the topic for uh, this episode. So yes. this is, of course, Advanced Media Studies, a podcast where we aim to talk about every piece of pop culture ever created one week at a time. Uh, we uh, you, you find us now in our intermission uh, as we have finished Mythic Quest, and we are about to begin reading uh, the entire Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series of books, Uh, but it was my turn to choose a movie, Um, and so you will uh, soon hear a conversation about the film Little Murders. Uh, I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, uh, but you will soon know me as uh, the leader at uh, a local religious institution called First Existential. And uh, I'm Justin Germeroff, and I got shot on, uh, <laughs> on Southampton and Amsterdam Street. Amazing. I, uh, I, yeah. I, I had a great future in electronics. Yes, perfect. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Movies for Babies own, Justin Germeroff, who you've heard on this feed a number of times up to this point, uh, is joining me now. Uh, and what turned out to be just a, it's a solo bolo. It's just the two of us. We're just going to chat about a little OS. film. Um, yeah, I know you have to listen to me gab on yet again. Uh, poor, poor you. But yes, we are here to discuss a movie that is very difficult to find. It's one of those 70s movies that uh, mm-hmm. is caught up in some uh, horrible legal rigmarole where it's owned by some fucking pharmaceutical company like the Heartbreak mm-hmm. Kid or or the Stepford Wives. Um, so it is very difficult to find legally. Of course, yeah. YouTube does have a copy that you can watch in, it in glittering 360. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 360p on YouTube. Uh, the copy that I sent to Justin, I think, is a beautiful 720, but there's Probably, some I forgot to download it, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoops, that's fine, I don't care. Um, you, you watch the version on YouTube, and it gets the job done. Like, you're you're missing some of uh, Gordon Willis's beautiful cinematography, but yes, yes. Um, there, there was a Blu-ray release of this movie a few years ago, but it is region-locked and will not play on United States. Uh, oh, where Blu-ray was it players. released? It, it was a like a European release. Oh. Well, I they can't have good remember, taste, so that's... Can't nice. remember what company. I want to say, you know, like Arrow, probably. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't Shout, it was Arrow. Uh, but come on, Criterion. This would kill. Come on, Criterion. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Get Alan and Elliot just, like... Just, yeah. just give them a scotch each and put a microphone in front of them. And 100%. I just listen to that. I don't even that's care great, about the movie. I just that's a great 30-minute convo yeah just let them fucking go like the special features on like uh woman under the influence where they're like peter fogg 
uh, Gina, Gina, Gina Rollins. Just, just have a chat. Just have a chat about this movie and about your, uh, your beloved buddy, John Cassavetes. Um, God, that's, yes, please. Uh, that's what I want. And so uh, let's make it happen. Justin, I am, uh, you know, I'm putting this flag down now. If I ever attain any amount of commercial media success and have money to blow, I'm going to be the person that finally gets, like, the heartbreak kid out from underneath that pharmaceutical company's thumb. Oh, I'm going no. to we'll buy it. We'll take them to court. We'll wrestle it out of their grip. We will wrestle it from their from their grubby hands because got lord knows how long it's going to take uh films from 1972 to enter the public domain even though they should be coming up this year um but of course they are not because we are only in the early 20s as far as copyright law is concerned um but yeah we're gonna wrestle that out i'm gonna wrestle this film out i'm gonna get stefford wives out that is my like personal little pet project if mm. i ever attain any amount of legal success as i'm going oh, yeah, to no, find no. We, we, like, we we've you and i have discussed this personally but we do need to establish some kind of media jubilee to yes. liberate art from just from dead end copyrights from dead end copyright hands who uh will serve nothing u.s copyright law is not built in such a way to benefit the artists and only benefits the corporations that own these yep. various products um it's a it's it's useless the way that we've constructed it and uh it does nothing to actually serve the art or the artists uh, so what the fuck is it for if not for that so we need to fucking wrestle those uh just so many like lost films and there's great you know the internet archive and and various websites are keeping track of of lost movies and they're doing an honest to god like beautiful service of doing this um mm-hmm. maintaining these and uh you know, uh, you have stuff like uh, uh, Marty Scorsese's Film Foundation uh, that, you know, is is making this a part of their mission and, and retaining these lost films and restoring these old prints of, like, old film movies um, that, like, so much of, like, cinema history, if it's not outright lost, is in such, like, terrible shape due to corporate negligence. Oh, um, yeah. That, that these projects were not making them actively millions and millions of dollars, so they just let you know, film prints go to waste. Um, and, if if and not outright recycle them. If not outright recycle them and tape over them, right? Like there's so much of like, I mean, just as an example, like early Doctor Who that just like doesn't exist anymore because like they taped over it. <laughs> yeah, no, because like who, cause who, no one was fucking watching that. Why would anyone watch that? Why would it was, anyone? It was a, it was a show made for $5 yeah, now anyone... in like current currency. Yes, exactly. And it like the the idea of like um the past of film and television being at all valuable is very new. And I don't think like people really understand that is that like so much like of of film and television history is outright lost because it was not seen as valuable. Mm-hmm. This, this these acts of preservation were not seen as worthwhile. Um and uh, that's sad. So we need to do everything we can to preserve movies like um, the 1971 film Little Murders. Uh, Little Moitas. Little Moitas. Uh, Alan Arkin's directorial debut, uh, who our listeners might know. Uh, I feel like people of our generation would be like, oh, the old guy from Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool heroin grandpa. The, the guy who says... Argo fuck yourself in the film Argo is the like the old doorman in the Muppet movie but like yes. the new one. Yeah, but like the new one. Um but Alan Arkin a great 
actor and his his comedic persona was obviously not always like I'm the oldest grumpiest man because you get uh, films like The In-Laws where he co-stars opposite uh, the aforementioned Peter mm-hmm. Falk where or he's Catch playing- 22 or Catch-22, where he plays fucking Yosarian. And Catch-22, I was actually going to bring up in relation to to this film. And the reason I selected this movie, and mm. this might maybe sound like a fucking serial killer, is that, like, I watched... So does everyone in this movie, so don't worry. That's fair, right? So, like, I watched a lot of movies in pandemic lockdown. Watched a lot of TV. Played a lot of games. Read a lot of comics. Read a lot of books. Nothing better resonated with me as like this is what covid brain feels this is what the world feels like right now it's Mm -hmm. a bunch of insane people you are always moments away from some weirdo just explaining their entire life and ideology to you and an ideology that is completely insane that makes no sense (laughs) like it it's like it this is how it feels the world is insane structures don't care about us no. the institutions that are supposed to protect us are indifferent at best as to whether or not we survive and it this this just despite being made in 1971 i'm like this is the best movie we ever made about contemporary america <laughs> it is what what is so infuriating is i is watching this movie and thinking oh Am I terminally online, or is this just describing life on the internet? Like, yes. just, everyone is alone, people are committing the worst atrocities just ambiently around you. Right. Um, like, when I when I chose work this Work drives you insane and yes. dehumanizes you. And yeah, makes you to, dehumanize everyone around you. To an incredible um, degree. And, and the it, only signs of, like, permissiveness and, to- of, like, tolerance and acceptance are to justify your worst impulses. Yes. And the most this. antisocial, alienating behavior. Yes. And, it, and it, when I started booking this episode, like, the, the horrible recent um, atrocity in, in Buffalo had obviously not occurred, because um, that was just a couple days ago as of the recording of this episode. But also, like, what time in America is a good time to talk about a movie that features gun violence? <laughs> like, oh, what? Yeah. There is no good time. As soon as we came out of like hardcore pandemic lockdown, the shooting started again. Like yeah. it's it, like clockwork. Every time we come out, it just it starts up over again. And, Nature is and, healing, right? And this 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 uh, film is is written by uh jules pfeiffer uh, a mm-hmm. famed cartoonist uh he's adapting his own play and when he talked about like this movie is a not really a like the, the little murders is not about like how cities are violent it's no, about no. the 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 violence and rot and danger at the core of america america yeah this, the, this the is... play was written in 1964 uh, explicitly in reaction to the Kennedy assassination. To Kennedy. I was like, wait, what happened one we, year before we that? that might do something. not appreciate how fucking insane that is. I like, mean, truly. Like, like to not only hear on radio, hey, the president has been shot, and yeah. no one really knows why, but also the guy who did kill him is then murked on live TV. On yeah. the news, we people saw Jack Ruby kill Lee Harvey Oswald, like, yeah. and no one can still figure out 
Why? Like, 50, over 50 years later, no one can still figure out the fuck why it happened. Yeah. And it, and it like, and, you know, it's hard to contextualize at this point, but, like, Martin Luther King died in Martin a very Luther short King. span of time. Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Like, fucking all this shit started coming happen. The hippies started, like, it... Really, Little Murders needed the near-decade passing between 1964 and 1971 to happen. Yeah. To, unfortunately, really let the optimism drain away and really just kind of show the horrors of the new American empire really kind of come home and, you know, yeah. it's like a good gumbo. You know, everything's got to settle. Everything's got to <laughs> dissolve. And you got to get your new flavors coming up. You know, hippie, you know, hippies aren't doing uh, CIA acid anymore. They're doing um, bathtub speed. They're get, they're buying from bikers. You yeah. know, all, you know, all the beatniks are pederasts now. Like, <laughs> all the, any potentially uh-huh. cool countercultural figure was either killed yeah. Gave up or just started working for the feds. So <laughs> And so like and and to quote, you know, uh uh Patsy, our female lead, like early on in this movie, like when she says like, Are you really down on people or are you just being trendy? You know, it's it's like it was it was such a nihilistic, cynical time. Um this is right on the cusp of the New York New Wave cinema which is like after hollywood essentially collapsed in the late mm-hmm. 60s starting in like 67 um the all these scrappy new york weirdos you know were running around with all these fancy film credits and like we were advancing technology and the steady cam is getting invented and and mm. it's this um beautiful time in in creativity you know in the mm. the 70s they're, they're also reaping the first early benefits of 20th century globalism with yeah the real, first real advents and accessibility of world cinema. They're seeing yes. the French and Japanese and Italian and Soviet films. Right, they're seeing Breathless, and they're like, shit, this rules. Shit, Breathless yeah. is great. Wait, and you can and do that? Oh, fuck, you can do that? Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's great. So it's all these different elements. This is one year after MASH, which is like an era-defining movie starring mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould as uh, Trapper John and Hawkeye Pierce, not respectively, in the opposite order in which I listed them. Um, and that is a that is a landmark movie that kicks off Robert Altman's legendary 70s run, which is like one of the greatest decades a filmmaker will ever have, mm-hmm. uh, not only creatively, but financially. And, and he is a decade-defining mm-hmm. director who directs Can- like... 15 movies in 10 years or something insane and they're different and they're interesting and they're unique and they're beautiful and it also starts like Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland as oh, yeah. movie stars and sex objects one year before this movie finally just hulking like Frankensteinian men like 8 feet tall like a full meter wide <laughs> yeah and they're so hot like i don't know like i can't it's, elliot gould in the 70s is like about as hot as a guy has ever been oh, yeah. well, if you've not, ever seen the yeah, long goodbye I, I do think why a lot of people do fixate on the 70s 
is because it was a time period where people figured out how to present ordinary people as extremely hot. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. You know, like Elliot Gould is extremely hot, but he's not like he's not Paul blockbuster Newman. hot. Yeah, exactly. He's he's not Paul Newman. He's not Redford. But like in the seventies, we figured out how to make him the hottest yeah. man on the. But planet. yeah, no. But yeah, nor nor is he like really, if anything, like um, Bruce Willis was kind of a throwback to seventies hot. Yeah, that's interesting. No, I understand that. And he's like, but like Bruce Willis, even at his hottest, was like he was balding. He was balding. <laughs> he, had, he had a light paunch. Like yeah. he was. It fit like the seventies figured out face. how to make just. Ordinary people hot, and we and need that to find that again. That we really need to bring that back. I agree. We need to find that again. And the seventies, like one of the worst decades for humanity, maybe the greatest decade ever for art, for music, for film, for literature. Like it's all over the place. But anyway, going back to uh, you mentioned before, Catch Twenty Two. Catch Twenty Two is the closest to this I've felt as like this is an accurate feeling of like. The world feels insane. Well, it is think, full of insane people who believe well, insane things and want to tell you the insane things that they believe. That's why I've read that book like three or four times. I, I adore it. Um, again, for all the horrible violence that is executed within its pages. I, well, what I think what I think it does, what Catch-22 and Match both do extremely well and also yeah. Slaughterhouse-Five as yeah. reference, since the movie uh, does reference Vonnegut. It's all That's that true. kids are into these days. Um, <laughs> uh, probably my favorite scene in that whole movie is The Parents. It's a great scene. Uh, but anyway, is all those movies exemplify war doesn't make sense and just kind of drives you crazy like this is fucking vietnam war only (laughs) works in a galaxy brained perspective where you're like oh okay we're seeing borders and in five years our economies will link up that we will have a 10 percent financial increase like that's how war actually makes sense but when you're on the ground watching everyone you've spent who at least three months with die horribly or come back horribly injured for reasons that you'll never understand for a war that like will never be fully articulated to you no no um, all, all all three works are about the growth of the american empire like, like they're just all kind of about that from like for, from its nascent birth in world war ii to it for, for kind of coming into itself in korea before Really, we started letting the technocrats and, like, computer nerds have their say with McNamara in Vietnam when shit, when we let numbers wage war. And that's when things actually started going crazy because people yep. stopped waging, weren't waging the war, computers were. Yep. And it and it's banana. And honestly, Justin, the only other thing that I would lump on this pile of things that give me this feeling is our beloved rude tales of magic. Where, like, Inspector Practice is a Branson Reese NPC name. Inspector Practice. Um, oh, well, that, that is a long and glorious history in American literature of just insane people names. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. like Branson Reese, I guarantee you, he's read his pension. Oh, guaranteed. Where, you know, where characters are named Oedipal Mass. <laughs> right, yeah, of course. Or, you know, his Robert Anton Wilson, like... All that stuff, or um, or fucking Big, Jurgen, Bigfoot like, like Robert Campbell is, is a an old uh, Branson Reese name, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and no, so- it's but ultimately it's to understand that 
is a surrealism, is a strangeness that nothing you're doing is mm-hmm. nothing makes sense. There is no logic. Yes. The systems that you are have been acclimated to understand are working aren't. Like yeah. that's what I think is so interesting that um Alfred's parents are like hip surrealists. They're like <sighs> it's so... they're beat no, they're beatniks. They know, yes. like, you know, they know their psychoanalysis. They know, like, the countercultural writers. They know the surrealists, the Dadaists, all that shit. And they're literally Flanders' parents. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas with our son. Um, I kind of do want to tackle this movie in essentially chronological order. Sure, sure. Um, people might be asking, what is the plot of this movie? To which I ask, plot? Um, it's sort of a an inter it's it's sort of a series of like eight monologues or mm. scenes. You the, know what the, I mean? Like the, the play is tighter. I believe it. Uh, but this is not a film with a lot of fat on it. This is a no. pretty. This is still a pretty lean hundred and eight minute enterprise. But um, yeah, with film, you know, you need to pat it out. You make things a little more cinematic. You add the sequence at the end where like he's taking pictures of the park. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're they're filmic ads that they that they have here um it's about marriage yeah yes it's about a marriage um so uh we we have our two leads we have alfred and we have patsy alfred is played by uh, again the hottest man in the world elliot gould um and alfred is he just wants to take his pictures i love his monologue scene where like he just the only thing that really brings him joy in life is taking pictures Mm-hmm. And he he hates the praise he gets for his pictures. And to the point where, like, he's like, the only thing that satisfies me, I, I take pictures of literal shit. Like, I used to take pictures of people. I lost interest in people. I used to take pictures of objects. I lost interest in objects. I take pictures of literal shit. It's all I want to do. I want everyone to leave me alone. I want to take mm. my little pictures of shit. And people won't stop giving him awards for his pictures he's, of He's literally feces. suffering burnout in real time. Yes. And, but the system is so broken, all it can do is support it. It, it, it supports the lowest common denominator. Un- astounding. Um, and then, of course, we have Patsy, who is the opposite. A, a, um, She's uh, the, a gamer. We would, we would not have the term for another uh, 30, 40 some odd years, but she is a... Uh, a refutation of Manny Pixie Dream Girl ism. Like she is, uh, I don't know, a, a flipperty gibbet. You you would describe she she wants nothing more than to like find a man and fix him. She has the yes. specific goal of fixing Alfred, and she right. th- that her monologue scene, which I think is excellent and so so key, is when she's like, "I fell in love with the man I was convinced I could turn you into," which. Um, there's so much conversation in contemporary culture about how like women in relationships are asked to be not only a partner, but a mother. And that is absolutely true. And like the way that we've socialized so uh, many men is absolutely Mm. true. I think an underrated sort of evil twin component of it is, is that like the process of dating cis women is someone actively trying to change you into someone very different from who well, you? Yeah, really it's met. if it, it, to me, my read of In Patsy ways that being don't a matter. Patsy being a fixer is her main flaw because she's yes. dated 
five gay men before this that didn't realize they were gay. Like... Right. Like, she's helped five men out of the closet before meeting Alfred. She... Right. One... Like, if anything, she... Her need to fix men is pathological rather than let them be the people that they want to be. It's just right, that it's, with Alfred, he, who, the person he wants to be is also pathological and bad for him. Oh, indeed. And and it will uh, ultimately destroy him. Mm-hmm. But uh, as, as we get more and more into into the, the content of this film. But, but yes, it is a violent, violent time in New York City uh, when this movie takes place. The, this, the, the city of New York is what... Everyone who watches Fox News currently thinks currently New York believes is. it is. It is people being shot constantly. You cannot exit your home without being attacked by like a gang of children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's you are literally like violently struck when you leave your home. Uh, by the way, this film is shot by Gordon Willis, um, one of the great cinematographers of all time, uh, called various things like the Master of Darkness, the Lord of Shadows, um, known for mixing light with darkness. He, of course, shot the Godfather films, which are basically the best-looking mm. movies you'll ever see in your entire and, and life. Boy, boy, does he take advantage of this movie, which yes. features, as a story element, rolling blackouts. Yes, which is, oh god, everything they do with that is so, so beautiful. Uh, but he also shot uh, Clute, uh, the the film with Donald Sutherland and uh, 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 Jane, 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 Jane Fonda. I almost said Jane Foster from Marvel Comics. Jane Fonda. And uh, unfortunately, he also shot a lot of Woody Allen movies. But those movies look great. I mean, yeah. like... That was before we do everything about Woody Allen. So right. unfortunately, I, I think it was his... also before he like married his stepdaughter. Yes, it was pre that. Obviously, you know, in movies like Manhattan, there were signs. Um, wow. But Manhattan's a great looking movie. I will never watch it again. But it's a it's a good looking flick if you want to like pirate Manhattan and put it on mute and ignore everything that happens in it. But just look if at you want to watch it in silence disrespectfully. <laughs> disrespectful and be like i don't condone this then uh, more yeah. power to you because it looks great but yes we the the film opens where where alfred is being uh, just mobbed by these children and patsy exits her home and and fends them off and he just walks away <laughs> he just walks off and she breaks out of the children and is so indignant it's like what kind of man are you <laughs> like you didn't you didn't step me out you didn't help me at all you just walked away um and, and he just talks about leaning there and taking it. He's like, when someone's determined to beat you up, there's nothing you can do to defuse. You might as well just get beat Which up. Which is true. You can- like, that's, that is that- a correct assertion of yes. human nature. If someone is just in the mood to do some violence, someone's going to get it. Yeah. You're just the one with the bad luck. To You're just it. there. So you might as well just, like, figure out the best way to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this somehow, again, Patsy sees this broken, broken man and uh, this determinism she has to fix um, a, a romantic partner um, drives her to engage in a relationship with this man that is obviously bad for her, that will not end well for anyone. Um, but they begin this courtship and and she uh, says she's falling in love with him and he doesn't know what love is mm-hmm. <laughs> as they're like riding horses and going swimming. They're gaming. Um, they're, they're they're playing golf. 
They're, yeah, they're she's gamer. a gamer girl. They're playing. We all want a gamer horses, girl. They're playing tennis. We all want a short-haired gamer girl. Um, and, and at this point, we meet uh, Patsy's family, uh, who is just the the most dysfunctional, pathological oh fucking my God, family. It's so living. fucking good. With the great, the great Vincent Gardenia as her father. Uh, Gardenia, one of the pro of pros, uh, the dad from Moonstruck, of course, Mr. Mushnick from Little Shop of Horrors, um, mm. just like a guy who's fucking been around. I love Vincent Gardenia, and he's so so good in this movie as uh, the he's an old fashioned patriarch. Justin, he likes the way things used to be. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll, oh. he'll do anything to return to such times. But a, a man who is insecure of the fact that his name is Carol. He cannot stand that his name is Carol. Um, I love that scene where, like, he can't open the window and then Alfred opens it so, so easily. Oh, yeah, just, like, one lift. Um, oh, no, yeah. my, my favorite little, like, moment is when he's, like, play re- he's like play wrestling with Patsy and he can't get, and he realizes he can't get out of her grip. Yeah, it's <laughs> he's like, so oh, funny. shit, she's stronger than me. Just the most insecure, self-emasculated man in mm-hmm. the entire world. Um, he has like a, a gay son that he hates. He his his other son was tragically killed in a murder that has yet to be solved. Although, um, no, if, if any if anything, their son was also a murderer because he was a bomber. Yes, that's like, true. Yeah, in, like in he was a war. bomb pilot, and like it, um, in the play, it was Tokyo, then Korea. The movie ah. updates it to Korea to Japan. But mm-hmm. it's equally as fucked up. We we Americans do not real have not really reckoned with how fucked up we were in the Korean War. Yeah, um, uh, blowback season three coming soon. Do can't a podcast wait. near you. I'm so fucking excited, dude. Aren't we weird that we're just fucking pumped? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm pumped to learn about American imperialism, bro. But, like, y'all, go back and listen to Blowback Seasons 1 and 2. It's one of the best fucking podcasts that has ever been made. It's... Um, as it covers uh, Cuba and uh, and uh, and our tussles with Saddam. And mm-hmm. I, it's a, it's it's uh, one of the great podcasts. Well, boy, um, uh, boy, a rampant crime just happening with the institution, I with institutions either ignoring it or abetting it. Wonder couldn't be me. What's that relevant to? Couldn't be me. Um, and of course, uh, we we have uh, the mother uh, Marge, who is who is one of the few characters in this movie to not receive a character centric monologue, but she does get the last line of dialogue, and it is uh, profound as she is so again mm. just desperate to be a traditional oh. mother. When she's giving this thing, is like, oh, every night for dinner, I always say, come and get it. It's, like, it's an old. She treats. Come and get it. Like, it's an old family tradition that I hope to pass on too much. Come and get it. And then I play the little triangle. I say, soup's on. Uh, Right. It's just, it's, it's, but it, it obviously is. When when my children would come in to dinner, I would say, meat's back on the menu, boys. (laughs) And I, I hope my son tells his son that meat will be back on the menu. I was once sucking on chili dogs outside the Tasty Freeze, and I hope my daughter will suck on chili dogs outside the Tasty Freeze. And she's so funny, as, as she just, 
again, it's ridiculous. It rings so true to me, though, of growing up in small-town America. I understand mm-hmm. this movie is set in New York, but this type of person... Well, this, I think she's the country transplant. I believe so. Um, or certainly that is how it is played and how I read it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, she is she wants to be mon pa fucking kettle you know like she yeah. she wants well, to be like june upstate. cleaver yeah yeah she's from upstate new york she's she's from the she's from the burbs uh she wants to be fucking june cleaver so bad but like this is a violent violent world where a june cleaver cannot exist right like mm-hmm. this, this world is not hospitable to a june no, yeah no no when, when they have to get like reinforced steel shutters for the windows she's like oh but yes. will they go with the like, like but what colors do they come in they, they, we don't have a lot of choices but we have to coordinate yeah it's so pathological the this it fucks me up so much the scene where uh alfred has come over for dinner and she gets out the the picture album of their dead son and is like smiling and and gleefully bringing him through it these pictures of her dead son oh. is so fucked <laughs> no no and then she like when when it gets just kind of awkward cuz like alfred's not really responding she gets up and goes to the bathroom to cry yeah. and she and we then sit with everyone else just waiting for her to get back yeah for god damn i i mean (laughs) listeners check this movie out it's a trip it's so Um, good it's such i'm so glad you liked it um because i i love this movie i adore it um and not enough people have seen it uh but yes this begins uh the 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 as soon after this Alfred and Patsy decide to get married. Or really, like, Patsy says, let's get married, and Alfred is sort of indifferent but agrees to it anyway. Yeah. Um, it's what she wants. Yes, it's what she wants, and he's like, that's fine. I don't care. Like, I'll get married whatever works for you, you know? Uh, which is, uh, I think it's, you know, an amenable trait to be like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care either way. Uh, we'll get married if that works for you. Um, obviously, you want someone who's more passionate about it than that. Yes, but, yes. Um, well, but, and I, I do love the little detail that like, that when she goes in to call her parents to tell them the good news, she has to like <laughs> flail through the broken windows of the phone oh, Of the phone booth. Everything's broken. Nothing Everything is, is broken. Full, nothing no. is unscuffed. Nothing is <laughs> clean. Every window is shattered. Every uh, every uh, pants cuff is dirty. It's just it's a it's a it's a bleak film, and yet a very funny one to me. Oh, There's yes. so much of this that I find funny, particularly what we're about to get to when they go to the judge, oh, Judge God. Stern, uh, and they they tell him that they want to get married. But they do not want... Alfred does not want God in the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Alfred... Yes, that's like the God. one line he has. Yes, you don't want God in the ceremony! Like, and this judge... Listener, when I tell you that the judge, a character that we have not seen previously and will never see again, has like a six-minute monologue... <laughs> He does, and it's one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's Lou so Jacoby good. as the judge. As he, like, it's every old man you've ever met in your mm. entire life where he's like, kids Ke- today, Kevin, Kevin, they don't know what the work play. is. The monologue starts here. Uh-huh. And it goes, it ends here. <laughs> oh my god. It's, it's uninterrupted for nearly like four pages. For yeah, it's it's a solid four pages of, it's of the play. scene. 
freight. Yeah, exactly. It is the scene. And this movie does a hilarious thing where at one point he just walks out of the room and keeps talking. And they're like, what is happening? And like they hear it and they're like trying to find where he went. And he just went to the judge's pulpit and he's still going. And then like we cut back to them and then the courtroom is full. He's just been going and going and going. And he's like, these two hands, these are a working man's Oh, hands. no, he keeps saying, hey, I'm not done. Let me finish. And he I'm just not done. keeps going. No one is interrupting him. Eventually, Alfred is just like, enough. Like, you're not going to marry us. He's like, you sit down. Like, he just, he won't let them go. He's talking. And he's like, where was I? You don't want God in the ceremony? Yeah. Where was where God? Where was God? Like, where was God when my father was walking 16 flights of stairs after working 25 hours in the sweatshop? And the he was too tired to strength eat. To eat and he's just it's uh listener i mean the scene is isolated on youtube and i encourage any listener to please so just watch it, that scene if you do not watch the entire movie oh. watch that scene it is fucking unbelievable i'll post two minutes and 20 seconds of it on twitter.com you know as this episode is going to come out my father worked 14 hours a day in a sweatshop on lower broadway number 315 our first apartment was a five-flight walk-up, four-and-a-half-room cold-water flat with a bathtub in the kitchen and the toilet down the hall. 142 Hester Street. Three families used the toilet. An Italian family, a colored family, a Jewish family. Three families with different faiths. But one thing each of those families had in common. They had in common the sacrifices they had to make to get where they were. What they had in common was persecution! Persecution! It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Oh. It's so unbelievably performed. It's so there, there funnily staged. There's one extremely funny line cut from the monologue from mm -hmm. the movie that's in mm -hmm. the play. It's when he goes, um, like, who do they ask for help if not God, then who? The Great Society, the Department of Welfare, Traveler's Aid... Mind you, I'm a good Democrat. I'm not knocking those things. <laughs> Mind you, I am a good Democrat. I yeah, that's so. Oh my God, that's so. <laughs> Just this like hard scrabbled like <laughs> second generation immigrant, like who is <sighs> fully cognizant of how fucking horrible his parents suffered, and yeah. is insistent on keeping on ensuring everyone else suffers just as much as they did yes it is everyone you've ever met who is like i understand you're suffering with with student loans and and work you know working for no money and and building no life but mm -hmm. you need to do it because everyone else did it too i mean i mean <laughs> in, in all fairness you know student loans and uh gig work are a sight better than Active pogroms in like yes, Bucharest. I'm sorry. That is, I, I'm sorry. That is better. I'm just saying, like, it's a, it's, it's a person that looks at contemporary society, sees that people are suffering, and says, like, we should not build a better society where yeah, people do not have to suffer this way. It's I had to suffer. You and saying, but they had it worse, right? And they and managed, which is funny because Patsy has the same fucking attitude. Yeah. But yeah, she's just manically positive about it, while the judge is manically negative. One would almost call it toxic positivity, and uh, she has it in spades. And Ooh, so it, does, like, half the cast. 
That's certainly true. Oh my god, Donald Sutherland? Oh my god, fucking my, my, my favorite the, character. The other most stunning thing in this movie is, is uh, so they do find someone who will marry them and keep God out of the ceremony. It is. It appears to be uh, Alfred's friend, uh, the Reverend Dupas, played by Donald Sutherland. Maybe, honestly, my favorite Donald Sutherland performance of all time. Uh, like, this is so good. This is so funny, as he is this, like, hippie pastor at a, 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 a the church is called first existential which even on a second view like when he said that got a full cackle out of me is mm. a ch- church being called first existential and he how to describe what he does well what happens is uh patsy's dad tries to bribe him into talking about god at the ceremony like yes. that <laughs> by giving him like 250 smackers which in in 1971 is like that's not that's not an shake. Yeah. Although um, it, it turns out that Patsy's dad, uh, Carol, just bribes everybody. Like, yes, he is a briber. He bribes uh Lieutenant Practice. He bribes everybody. He's a briber. Yeah, he, he bribes um, the police. He bribes absolutely everybody. Absolutely everybody. He's a briber. And there's this uh, very, very funny sequence before the wedding as there's these, like, repeated uh, uh, phrases and, and Carol's telling everyone that he bribed. Yeah, yeah. The, no, the he tells, like, a tobacco a tobacco chief. I, yeah, bri- tells, I, I, paid him to, I paid him 250 He tells the other um, guy in, like, the bathroom stall. He tells fucking everybody. Oh, it's, yeah. It's so good. And, 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 um, then, um, and then Alfred's just like, my parents aren't here. My parents, My parents aren't, aren't here. here. My parents I mean, aren't here. God. Yeah, absolutely. Never get married. Uh, like the Chris Rock film, Why Did I Get Married? And um, and and Donald Sutherland uh, is like, listen, I, I, I know you don't want me to put God in the ceremony. He did pay me to keep God out of the ceremony. Mm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, take his money and still keep God out of the ceremony. <laughs> and he gives, again, it's like a seven-minute monologue. Um, of him like oh, walking no, 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 around no, the, the church. No, but there's the line. Um, ethical culture. Ethical culture told them that they didn't have to have God in the ceremony, but they had to have ethical culture in the ceremony. Ethical and culture. the whole monologue is basically saying everything's ethical culture because yes. ethical culture is all culture. <laughs> yes. Um, as he he everything he, is permitted, nothing is forbidden. Yes, nothing is forbidden as he, like, goes around. He keeps saying, like, and that's all right. And, like, <laughs> and they wanted to keep God out of the ceremony. Yeah. And that's all right. And he's, like... And he Which isn't like, even a saying that something is good. It's just, yeah. that's fine. I have married 50 couples. 44 of them have gotten divorced. So the odds are not good. <laughs> I, 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 I once married a, a drug addict. And he replaced drugs with marriage. That marriage did not last (laughs) it's just it's so fucking funny sutherland is fucking killing i'm fucking riding in the the street of the whole occasion completely null it is it is red it is saying what we are doing right now doesn't matter but it's okay if you want to pretend it matters yeah let me state to you alfred and to you patricia that of the 200 marriages that I have performed, all but seven have failed. So the odds are not good. 
we don't like to admit it, especially at the wedding ceremony, but it's in the back of all our minds, isn't it? How long will it last? We all think that, don't we? We don't like to bring it out in the open, but we all think that. Well, I say, why not bring it out in the open? Why does one decide to marry? Social pressure? Boredom? Loneliness? Sexual appeasement? Love? I won't put any of these reasons down. Each in its own way is adequate. Each is all right. Last year, I married a musician who wanted to get married in order to stop masturbating. Please don't be startled. I'm not putting him down. That marriage did not work. But the man tried. He is now separated, still masturbating, but he is at peace with himself because he tried society's way. So you see, it was not a mistake. It turned out all right. Now, just last month, I married a novelist to a painter. Everyone at the wedding ceremony was under the influence of an hallucinogenic drug. The drug quickened our mental responses, slowed our physical responses, and the whole ceremony took two days to perform. Never have the words had such meaning. Now that marriage should last. Still, if it does not, well, that'll be all right. For don't you see, any step that one takes is useful, is positive, has to be positive because it's a part of life. Even the negation of the previously taken step is positive, that too is a part of life. And in this light, and only in this light, should marriage be viewed as a small, single step. If it works, fine. If it fails, fine. Look elsewhere for satisfaction. To more marriages, fine. As many as one wants, fine. To homosexuality, fine. To drug addiction, I will not put it down. Each of these is an answer for somebody. As this young man who uh, had a talk with me before the ceremony, and uh, he uh, believes himself to be gay. And that's all right. <laughs> Which is like, oh, but Kenny. Kenny is a lot. Kenny is something. Uh, it's a character uh, who appears to show up again in the 2005 film Wedding Crashers. It's it essentially an identical character. I, um, I don't personally, yeah. as a bisexual man, find it offensive because it's just this movie. It's too pathological. It's you can't glean yeah anything about no. what is happening. Like it has no perspective on being gay. He's just as insane as everyone no, else. He, no, he's just a generic pervert. Like they introduce him reading pornography in front of his parents. Right, and like at one point after he's outed after the ceremony, and Passy goes back to her parents' house, she's like, "Yeah, my brother ran off and like took all my dresses." <laughs> like, yeah, it's so, yeah, and, and then like, he's just and back. Like, he wishes he was a girl just because the life sounds more bearable. Like right. not because of any like yearning or a tr- it's not because he's attracted to anything. He's just yeah. repelled. By everything By else. everything, right? He's propelled by every aspect of society, so why not this? It's 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 a But also especially the military, because he's been denied active service like five times. Like five times. It's so... <laughs> you know, and he like kinda like brags about it like a Yeah, like, yeah you know? no, he like gets his hands on a gun at one point and he like mimes shooting himself in the mouth with it. <laughs> and then he's like, Did you know the army denied me four times? They said if I come for a fifth, they'll have me arrested. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's he's, so... oh, he's, ge- he's a genuine little freak. That is, again, like, that's a Branson Reese character, Justin. Like, I don't, like, take some of the, like, you know, 
I, I again, I well, question Diva call it homophobia because this movie is phobic of everything. Well, like, it's, it's, <laughs> we also culturally have no longer been tolerant of the harmless sicko. Yeah, because the harmless sicko has become deeply harmful in the current climate. The harmless sicko can can buy that gun, and unlike Alfred, he like knows how to load it. Yeah, or 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 the harmless sicko can not only just breathe over the phone; they can find where you live and just show up, just be there. Yeah, because there's a guy. We haven't even mentioned this like running aspect of the film. There's this guy who keeps calling. Oh yeah, and just like heavily breathing in front of Patsy. Well, no, it's, he's clearly jerking off doing. Yeah, it. I mean, of course, uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a classic, or like getting off on the idea of doing it and jerking off later, right? Right. Um, and and then at the end, or like later in the, in the break into the third act, when like Patsy dies. And he like calls, and he's heavily breathing. And I think it's I think it's the mother who says like, "Don't you read the news? Don't you read the papers? Like, you don't have to call here anymore. She's dead." And he calls back. And he's like, "God, I'm so sorry. Is is there anything I can do? Everything. Everyone's going crazy. Yeah, it's so nuts out there. Everything's so crazy. That's so. I know. Like the the I, again. Like perverts like that are not funny. That's no. so." Funny. That's like, like that's your so- that's like your number one OnlyFans subscriber showing up to your wedding. <laughs> yeah, right. The guy that like keeps buying you like toasters. Um, yeah, yeah. The guy who like furnished your fucking kitchen for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So at at a certain point around here, uh, after the wedding, Alfred goes to like meet his parents, who he has not seen in forever and ever and ever. One no, of his parents and, like, played since college, and he's, yeah, since like, college. Well, in his like late thirties, early forties. Right. Oh, uh, that's a little. That's a little late. But I. Because yeah, right. Patsy wants him to like answer a questionnaire to identify what exactly is wrong with him. Right. So he needs to go back to his parents. He needs to record them on tape answering questions about like what he was like as a child. And he goes to his parents, one of which is played by Doris Roberts from Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, obviously, many years before that sitcom, but still. Mm-hmm. And they. They have no answer for, like, what he was like. They're like, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Here, here's what, like, this is my favorite scene. Like, I love the Donald Sutherland. I think the Donald Sutherland monologue is the best one. This is my favorite scene. because It's a great this, scene. This scene is unique to the movie. Um, oh, wow. It's not, it's not in the play. There, it's it's so like, and it, it, it shows why Alfred, and it gives context to Alfred. Who is a no, he's he's a zombie. He's, he's a, a man yeah. wholly numb to the world. He's and a cipher. And we go see what yeah. he's like um, before mm-hmm. he and we see his parents who are just as numb. Um, they all they seem to care about is what the youth are doing these days. They're and, and wholly they... disconnected from who from who he is. And when they when he asks questions about him, what he was like as a kid. Their first couple answers are like intel are Freudian. They're psychoanalysis. Yes, they're they literally are like and pathologizing oh, his behavior yeah. rather than saying than actually engaging with who he is as a human being. Right. They're not relating to anyone. It's this thing that happens in like, you know, quote unquote self-purported intellectualist culture where it's like or like, have you ever had 
friends who are in therapy and you try and talk to them just about your life and they talk to you in like therapy talk and I'm like no like relate to me as like my friend as like a person right, right. Now. you know right. what I mean no. like the, they're buried the... behind these layers of like oh let's see what Freud has to say about this mm. and it's like just tell me what I was like as a child well no just like, it's it's setting up it's locking everything away into systems it's Putting a system into how things are, it's erecting an institution like Freudian psychoanalysis or Jung or yeah. like, or, um, or, oh fuck, what was his name? Uh, Wilhelm Reich or any mm-hmm. of those guys of just like, here's how people are supposed to act, you know? Oh, you know, oh, the, the child, they covet, you know, the feces of the mother, you know, sphincter morality. Right. It's, it's saying what, it's again, it's patsy shit. It's thinking about how yeah. people are expected to act instead of actually looking at who they are and accepting yes. who and accepting them for what they are and what they do it's erecting projecting a different self over the real person but while patsy looks at it from a negative from a manic toxic positivity theirs is negative it's like it's making mm. everything sound like whatever alfred was doing was sick and wrong. Yeah. God. Which what is a like, yeah, no wonder he fucking doesn't talk to his fucking parents. No wonder he seems to treat everything around him like it's diseased and like dysfunctional and he wants nothing to do with any of it. No yeah, wonder he, to... he no wonder all he wants to look at is shit. It's literal shit. Yeah, no wonder. It's a, it's a really this movie is so good. I'm so glad that that uh, we get to talk about this. Oh, this yeah. movie that, like, no one has seen. Uh, this will be the least listened to episode of the podcast ever. But I'm having a great time, and I get to talk about this piece of art that I that I oh, adore. Okay. Kevin, you know you can invite me for any of the least listenable episodes. You yeah, know that. please. You're you're my boy for that, and I would expect uh, the same in return. If you ever <laughs> if you ever want me to to come on, okay, stupid, and talk about just like the worst piece of shit, you know I'm there for oh, you, of bud. Of course, of course. Um, of course, the most obscure. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Just show me the YouTube video in eight parts where. where it's split up give me the playlist and i'm and i'm rocking and rolling right right just, right yeah no uh episode 23 part one of three yeah exactly um yeah please show me that i mean like you and i literally like call each other up like a couple times a month and watch trash uh hey <laughs> whatever hey, no stone cold is stone trash. cold was fucking great uh so cool and and con air uh, we we occasionally stumble on some really good shit yes. but but um, enough about our healthy relationship back to the <laughs> Back to the film. Malig- to the the film malignant ones. This is also the most we any of these advanced media studies podcasts have ever stuck to the main topic. Like we are really drilling in on this thing in a way that we do not usually, and this is again fascinating to me. I love to I love Hell to see yeah. this. Um, this is great. But the I feel like the the next significant thing that happens is at this point, Alfred does decide to like open himself up. Mm-hmm. Right? He decides to love he has a great monologue in this oh, how he suffers um, under surveillance which boy i'm sure no one in 2022 can relate to the agony of being watched 24 yes. 7 and it's again this is like this is gordon willis just like showing off in this fucking scene where he's like it's like one overhead lamp like right in alfred's face and like we we are panning all over it's it's a beautiful scene i wish we could see it in like 
Blu-ray quality above YouTube. Oh my God. Um, but it's it's fucking beautiful. And uh, Alfred gives this this monologue about like. In college, he was deemed, like, a potential threat. They are like, is this guy going to, like, shoot yeah, up the school? No, th- he was under... Goddamn. Fucking... Again, 1960... Again, again it, this movie needed the time it yeah. took from the play to the cut to the movie to come into itself. Because 1964, they're probably still talking about, like, Red Scare shit. Yes. Like, you know, like the, F- the FBI bugs. They're yeah. not getting to the 70s when, like, Pro is starting to come out. Where, yeah. like, oh, the FBI was watching MLK. And, like, boy, and trying to shot MLK. Get him sure, to kill a lot himself. of fucking friends in the FBI, didn't he? Yeah, interesting. That's weird. Uh, it's weird how they uh, kept calling MLK and making him feel insane and threatening him and trying to get him to kill himself. It's weird how the FBI did that. Yeah. Um, and and all of that is part of it. And, like, the, it gives this long monologue about, like, the guy who was reading his mail. No, and he started yeah, writing he, letters he, to he the guy to who was reading his mail. His right. Spy. He tries to connect to the guy who is, like, reading all of his personal intimate details. Um, and it, like... It fucks it like it blows up in, I, in everybody's face. I would face. love to make a short film of just that, of just that I, monologue of I a can... guy who just starts writing letters to the guy who secretly opens his mail, and Justin, his spy goes that like, up. "Hey, buddy, listen, this is just my job. I don't like it. I'm not supposed to like it. It's just a job." So lay off, man! Yeah, I'm not doing this out of some malicious end. I'm getting a paycheck to read your mail. Uh, we could make that. That would be Oh, yeah, easy. no, and we then could, he sends, like, a letter, like, hey, no, here's this whole conspiracy against you about how you are getting screwed over. And the guy's just like, please stop. <laughs> please stop. I don't care. Uh, and like, he stops reading his mail after that. <laughs> yeah, never read his mail. Goddamn. What a what a beautiful monologue, and he decides to open up with Patsy, and he's like, "Finally, I can accept you like this. I love you." Mm-hmm. And she is immediately murdered in his arms. <laughs> like yeah. she, is, a bullet comes through the window, and she fucking dies. Um, and he is covered in blood, and he goes back to her parents' house, and they report uh, this murder to the man who's been investigating uh, their son's murder this entire time, Lieutenant Practice, played by uh, director of this film. Alan Arkin in um, a bizarre performance. Play, play, I like for, it. No, I think really, it's actually no. He's played by Daffy Duck. <laughs> like, like, he's just this is he is the shakiest man. He is a man who is all raw nerves, like yeah. literally, like emotionally and also physically. He cannot touch anything. He cannot digest anything. He's so stressed out. He's got this fucking like. A uh, diagonal scar. Yeah, across this his fucking face. dueling scar. <laughs> yeah, he's got this dueling scar across his face. And he's just talking about how like everything's murder. Everyone's dying all the time. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't three, have <laughs> three hundred like three hundred forty-five unsolved murders. Now here are the three things. And like his fingers are like like number one, they're unsolved. Number two, they have nothing to do with anything. They have nothing to do with any of each other. And number three, they all have to be connected. But he puts up like number f- like four fingers for that. He like he like yeah. begs for a glass of milk, and then like he keeps forgetting what he asks, and he keeps asking for scotch in it. And he like he gets his scotch milk with extra ice, opens like the steel shuttered window, and like as a like a Mel Brooks gag, you're a. And it just gets shot breaks. immediately in his hand. I was thinking of Mel Brooks when we were describing this character. I was like, if you took. 
Kenneth Mars's performance in Young Frankenstein and mixed it with Gene Wilder in the original producers, you have yes. what Alan Arkin is doing here. He has these weird movements. He's the most erotic man you've ever seen in your entire <laughs> life. He is seconds away from having a heart attack and dying. <laughs> like yeah. This is a, so a, good. You are watching a man drown with dry lungs. Yes, he is a he is a man who is about to sweat himself to death. Oh um, it is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and all, the, all that he can conclude... Is that this is a conspiracy to erode faith in police competence? That yeah. people, can, that you know, that people will stop believing that blue lives matter and that police are in fact good at their jobs. And that's all he can see. He can't like do his job. He can't solve a fucking murder. Mm-hmm. He's just—it's a conspiracy against the mm-hmm. cops, of course. Yep. Um, and he again. can't wait for the mass arrests to start. As relevant today as it as it was Ooh. when it was written, yeah, absolutely, it's it's fucking astounding. And yes, after after uh, Patsy is murdered, there comes and, and this is when uh, Carol fucking loses it. Like after this talk with Inspector Practice, he's like, oh, no, literally every literally every institution is fucking wrecked and we need to fucking uh destroy everything and everyone should be on permanent lockdown yeah he goes he goes full fash he's like yeah, like, like we have to have full law and order we have to have surveillance on everything be- for freedom because i demand to be free yes it's i want to be so free that everyone has to be locked down at all times yes yeah. <laughs> it's like he just he's at a shattering point um, although I, at this point, I am having a difficulty arriving at how we get to the film's final, I, uh, moments. I can't remember the exact order of operation uh, because there's a lot happening in he, this movie. It just kind of happens because the, the next scene is just Alfred wandering the park. Taking pictures filming, of people for and the then, first time. But then even he loses... No, what happens is we see him lose interest in even taking pictures of shit. Yeah, even like he can't do that. that. Like has lost that his glamour for him. That is the last thing that has been taken from him. The scene in the park is also like it's bananas. Is that like I feel like it might be a class commentary of some kind because like he's in Central Park. And there's there's all these well-to-do white people who are just going about like living their lives. They're riding horses in the park, like they're they're having pleasant Sunday strolls. And the world he live it, lives in is one of violence and constant death. And like it's it's an inhospitable world. And these people are doing dressage in the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bananas. And at this point, yeah, you're right. He even loses interest in the one thing that gave him any joy: taking pictures of feces on the ground. And I mean, it's it's harrowing to describe what happens at the end of this movie. But he like, acquires a gun, brings it over to the to the Newquist family household, and they open up the window and they start they start shooting like, like and they well, like, kill Inspector it, um, Prentice. in the play. The shoot <coughs> the shooting happens mm-hmm. right after the detective leaves. <laughs> So, um, the, the gun comes out really after, uh, Carol's fascist monologue. Yes. Where it's explicitly set, wet up as, like, you know, practice comes in and basically admits there's nothing we can do. There's, yeah. a consp- like, someone wants us to be powerless. Right. They, and this is, of course, I'm a gonna conspiracy start against solving cops. It. 
And then, and then Carol says, like, well, there's nothing left to do. We have to start doing shit ourselves. We have to fight for our freedoms ourselves. And then, like, that's when, like, Kenny opens the box Alfred brought. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a gun, right? I mean, you obviously mm. could not do the park scene um, in a play. Uh, right. It's, it, it, so I, I think it's in the play, it's meant to be, like, more one, two, three. Like, just kind of just show, like, everything's getting eroded and just telegraphing how mm-hmm. everything's going insane. It's the only rational thing left to do. In the movie, we're at least shown some kind of Alfred's fall from grace where he just kind of sees everyone's shit. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, again, it's, it's, and, and what then happens is, like, deeply upsetting when, again, like, the men of this household just like take a gun and point it out the window and open fire <laughs> and and again they they kill lieutenant practice um and i think they like maybe shoot someone else as well and they're like cheering and they're it's, like celebrating it's three men who have gone mad i mean well, this is this is mad it's it's what gets alfred to open up and feel something sure yeah he feels joy for the first time in like the entire film Right. And like and and there's uh, the the mother, again, is one of the few characters who does not get like a character professing monologue. But her she has the last line of the picture and it like says everything where after like these three men have like murdered a man and they sit down at the table and she says, oh, it's just so good to hear my family laugh. again." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so it's You know, like, yeah, the, the last line is, you know, for a while I was really worried. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, and it's so bleak, but it's everything that we underlined earlier about her character and this, like, fawning for this previous age and this perfect mm-hmm. June Cleaver lifestyle that, again, never existed and will never exist again. Right. Um, and, and that's... And that's the film. And then the film it's, just ends. Yeah, it, you know what? Everything... Sh- yeah, yeah, the film just concludes... I mean, it, I guess everything's shit. I guess everything's shit. Um, and so and, and I, in no way do I think the film is condoning uh, the idea of getting out a rifle and firing it out your fucking living room window. That is No, not- no, but it telegraphs how a per. No, it's a movie that telegraphs how a person can become a mass shooter. Like, that's how, what the movie is. What this, like, what kind of society and, and uh, what kind of culture drives people to do something mm-hmm. like this? People who at times are, are ordinary people, quote unquote, you know, just like regular folks who mm. are not like John Wayne Gacy serial killers or something like that. Like it, no, well, what it, no, it's people well, like that's the, that that's actually kind of a funnier, hairier thing is that it's a lot of the sort of the systems that incentivize that, you know, yeah. Um, I, how far would have John Wayne Gacy gotten if he didn't have the connections in like the Moose Lodge and like right? his well, contract sure, and like sure. the popularity of his um co- of his you know contracting company? Yeah. Um, true, how well of you know Jonestown gotten away if it weren't a major part of the California Democrat Party machine? <laughs> right. Um, and also, no one seems to interrogate that there are CIA tapes. Of the Jonestown suicides. And no one seems mm-hmm. to ask, why is the CIA there? Why'd you have that? Why'd uh, you... Yeah, or like... Why'd you have how, cameras or rolling? How many, or how many serial killers of the 70s, which is like the serial killer renaissance, 
were veterans or had gotten experimental psychiatric care. Uh-huh. Like, you know, Char- like, would Charles Manson become the man he would have been if he wasn't getting, you know, LSD treatments in right. the it- California Psychiatric um, Penitentiary Ward? Yeah, LSD treatments when he was a fucking and Scientology orphan child. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, what kind of culture? What kind of society? What kind of systems build people that do this? And like mm-hmm. the and and mass shootings were not near. Were not the problem they are now when this was fucking written. Like it only like well we we exacerbates. also we we are also talking from a period of. Well, it's, it's gone up relatively recently, but historically low murder. Yeah, that's true. Like, fucking policing got better. Like, it just mm-hmm. improved such that murder has gone down. Organized, remember, the 60s and 70s when then was when there was still a mafia. Sure. An which... institution that does not exist, but was an integral part of the operations of american society that's true and that doesn't exist in our lives anymore wow yeah like that kind of violence is just well to kind of circle back to little murders is about being on the internet it's abstracted because we're living in the first time in human history that we can go that we can can um send messages to the most important and powerful people in the world and tell them to eat our balls. We can tell them that. <laughs> I can at POTUS. <laughs> yeah. I can we, at Eric we, I can literally tell the president to suck my dick. And it doesn't do anything, but I can do it. But I can do it for the first time ever. He won't listen. He probably he might not even see it, but I can I can say it. <laughs> it's like the like there is a layer of depersonalization and alienation in everyday lives. That Little Murders captures incredibly well in real life. Yeah. That, like, most movies, especially the current era, just don't. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, these days, you know, not to not to be all Carol Nyquist about this, but, like, these days what passes for dark comedy is so fucking weak sauce it's just like oh what if you made a joke about a corpse and it's like this is fucking nihilistic black comedy no right yeah, like it's well no you know it's like world's best dad like yeah right <laughs> right or like you know and i love this show but like it's like certain episodes of bojack horseman you know like oh that's black comedy oh yeah and, like, like oh gee yeah like oh jesus right but like but Bojack, even at its most nihilistic, is still like, well, together and through mutual inter- human interaction, you know, we can potentially become better. We can do other things. And like, Little Murders does not reach such a no, conclusion. No, it's it's actual go- no real dark comedy, real black comedy has no affirmation. There is no happy ending. There right. there there is no you know fa- there is no Father Dupas who is like. And, oh, where right. you could do whatever, and it's all right. It's no, all right. not no. Clearly, some things are not all right. Yes, but some th- what the but good black comedy 
basically grabs you by your collar, gets in your face, and asks, what are you going to fucking do about it? What are you going to fucking do about it, punk? What are you going to do? Are you going to change yeah. the government? Are you going to change the What military? are you going to do? Shoot me? Yeah. And Little Murder said, maybe. Yes. In a true <laughs> Bugs Bunny style fashion, said, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, it's... But again, again, Looney Tunes have dark comedy. They just the only difference between Looney Tunes cartoons and dark comedy is dark comedy just shows the blood and the pain, and that's it. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, those like '30s, '40s Looney Tunes cartoons are some of the most cynical. <laughs> Like, <laughs> pieces of media you'll ever see in your entire life. It is a bleak, bleak world mm-hmm. uh, that, the, that the Looney Tunes occupy. Uh, and it was, but allegedly for children. Um, and uh, anyway, that's... Uh, it it was for children. It was, it was for children. It was for everybody. Uh, but no, you're right. It was, it was uh, cartoons for babies. Uh, but very cynical babies. Babies that, like, have a have a keen eye onto the world. Well, no, it, it was for 30s babies who smoked and, like, drank scotch. 30s babies after they got out of the mine. You know, when they were done with yeah. their shift and they're like, let me catch a double bill with a cartoon in the middle and a newsreel. Well, I mean, my great-grandpa would, like, uh, would smoke cigarettes for his asthma. <laughs> I love the past. Which is a very, you know, 30s. That's a very 30s solution to that problem. I yeah. love that. You know, That's he cool. had like a corncob pipe when he was like eight. Yeah, well, you know, clear help you breathe better. <laughs> have some of this tobacco, kid. It's a miracle that the human race has survived <laughs> just as long as it has. Just a nine-year-old just going smooth. Just fucking chiefing, dude. Oh yeah. my god, that's so funny. Um, little baby, but like, like just fucking pla- chomping a cigar like baby Huey, like baby Huey, a little like a little plastic cigarette holder for a baby so it doesn't like burn its fingertips. Oh my god, yeah. See, that's thinking with safety. Thank you. I'm I'm baby proofing smoking. <laughs> I think we need to fucking again put the locks on the medicine cabinet and yeah. give your baby a plastic no. cigarette holder. We, we, we like need to get rid of vaping. Deal. We need to get rid of the cotton candy. You know the mango jewel. None of that. Go it's back to on good honest chaw and dip for children. <laughs> Yeah, I understand uh, that it is probably better for everyone to vape than to smoke cigarettes, but I say uh, go back to smoking. It was cooler. Yeah, it was cooler. Um, you might as well, because like we're gonna find out one day that like vaping is also fucking miserable for you. Oh you yeah, get, like, no, it's gonna turn out. It's, it's gonna find out. Well, like I can't wait for us to figure out how bad marijuana is for you. Oh, like, like, I mean, once like, industrial grade marijuana really kicks off, we're gonna find out. Oh no! Like, we're, like oh, the amount of THC we're taking casually is like gonna turn us all into schizophrenics. Yeah, like, the THC that we're taking casually. Not to mention that like smoke is not supposed to get inside your body. No, it's not. <laughs> supposed, supposed, it is not supposed to be smoking there. Edibles are biologically poison. <laughs> yes. Your 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 body is the non-smoking section. You're not supposed to put smoke in there. Uh, but about once a week, I do it anyway. Um, all things in moderation, Justin. All, all just things like, in moderation, just like giving your moderation. baby a, a pipe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a moderate moderate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's Little Murders, 1971. You literally cannot pay for this movie, so pirate away. Um, there's Do a decent it. 720p copy out there on the internet and you can just fucking watch it on YouTube regular. Mm-hmm. It's just available. No one is taking it down. Why would they crank up um, that Roku? 
crank up that Roku and fucking blast fucking little murders into your skull. It's not a happy film, but um, it is a funny one. Uh, and I find it to be a very valuable piece of art. Um, again, if other things like this, uh, read Catch-22, one of my favorite books of all time. Read it like three or four mm-hmm. times. So that's like the second most I've read any book. Um, great, great book. Also bleak. Also also so not fun. Fu- it's so fucking um, good. It's so fucking good. I relish that book. I've never read anything else by Joseph Heller. Have you? Um... I started reading the one that was meant to be, like, his take on Suburbia, and then I lost the book. I have no interest in reading, like, the sequel to Catch-22. I don't want to see the further adventures of Yosarian. I've looked at, like, God Knows, because I'll just read any, like, Job that anybody writes. Mm -hmm. I'll read any Job. I'll watch any Job. Uh, See also uh, Serious Man, um, the Coen Brothers' masterpiece and um yeah so that's a good one listen to root tales of magic uh for just again a world gone mad oh, uh yeah. which was oh, recently described genuinely on... the thing that's probably kept me most grounded during the past couple years agree because like when i want to be grounded i don't want to watch like parks and recreation i want to listen to root tales where i'm like this feels like how my brain feels yeah yeah <laughs> i want yeah no i want you know, I want cartoons with meat. I want to. See, I want yeah. splatter tunes. Yeah, I want. I want cartoons that uh, you hit the guy in the head with a board with a nail in it, and he bleeds. Um, yeah. That's what well, I want. Honestly, I guess I want Happy Tree Friends. Yes, that was about to say. Go pu- punch up Verve and uh, watch some <laughs> watch, Happy Tree. Friends. Watch some Happy Tree Friends. God bless from the past. Um, yeah, go go check any of that out. Rude Tales, which was recently described on their own Patreon as an evil show for evil people. Um, which I love. I love them all dearly. They make me laugh mm. so much. Um, and uh, But Justin, uh, if people enjoyed listening to you talk about Little Murders, um, where can they find you and listen to you talk? Uh, do other things? Oh, well, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, SquiticalInking. Uh, you can also catch me on um, on movies on movies for babies on this feed whenever that comes out. Yeah, uh, you can whenever catch we get me on the Puffin Publishing podcast. Uh, still, uh, still going. <laughs> technically, technically, there's a bloopers episode that. Oh, actually, by the time this episode drops. The bloopers episode will have just come out the day before. So the Puffin Publishing Podcast is officially over. Um, congratulations, we did mm-hmm. it. Congre- con- yes, we're all doing the congratulations montage. Yeah. Um, and then you can also catch me on the hit game show, OK Stupid, also where all podcasts are found. Perfect. Uh, I have been on an episode of OK Stupid, and it's... Um, uh original uh incarnation and that i had a great time that's a fun episode awesome yeah it's a, it's a mixture we we it's a uh it's just a game show feed we do a bunch of different game shows uh we do okay stupid the catfishing uh quest for love <laughs> and then also who wants to be a chode the most obtuse trivia game ever devised i love that i need to yeah so so scope it out okay stupid and okay is spelled out Yes. Um, okay. okay. A-Y. A-Y. Stupid. And currently the podcast art is red. So if you see red, 
uh, which is an uncommon podcast art color. It's very distinctive. It stands out in my RSS feed. Um, check it if out. If you see red, you'll be dead with the light because you're listening to a great podcast. I'm seeing red because I'm so mad I didn't listen to this show earlier. Thank you. Uh, as always, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, uh, episode three of Crazy X Pod Friends is about to drop tomorrow, Friday the 3rd, um, as we continue our quest through Crazy X Girl Friend. And you can get episodes of that show one week early and support this show, Advanced Media Studies, at patreon.com slash Um For as little as $1 a month, uh, you get some shit. You get some bonus shit. Uh, and you get early access to shit, and uh, you help me pay for therapy that I need. You can um, listen to uh, Kevin and my uh, actual play, Jive yes. Action Nerds. Jive Action Nerds. Uh, I, I am uploading the backlog of that one episode a week, so you can a, listen along like the first time. A hip, a, a hip actual play set in the 1970s. Hey, relevant to what we're doing here, and uh, that's a great show. Check it out for as little as one dollar. A month, and if you start giving me enough money, I'll give Justin some money. Don't you want oh, Justin to Jesus, have money? That'd be nice. Don't you want Justin to have money? Don't you want me to have money? Please, don't you want Justin to have money? Um, I have to buy it for a, a thing in a box. Yeah, I have to buy money. I have to pay for all this money that I want. And uh, also, my my uh, web comic is coming back in uh, what I believe will be a weekly capacity. Patty Can't Plague wait. Doc, P A T T Y Plague Doc uh, on Instagram, and there's a thread on Twitter that I'm sure you can find uh, because I've recently sold several pages of that, and uh, so I I guess that's by popular demand, <laughs> quote unquote. It's coming back. Um, the Patty people Plague demand Doc. more Patty. The people want Patty, and that's great because that's the only thing I can draw. I can draw one character. <laughs> I, am, I mean, I mean I am, that, that's all you need. That's all I need, personally. I should learn how to draw a second character, but that's going to be a while. I could not find as many good, simple shapes as I made for Patty. Um, but also, Patty is a character designed where I do not have to draw limbs. I do not have to draw clothes. I do not have to draw faces. I just need to be that clever mm-hmm. again when I'm designing a character. My little cartoon plague doctor. Uh, help me make an animated <laughs> Patty series. That's mm-hmm. a terrible idea. Kickstarter coming soon. Yeah, coming. Yeah, great. Because I have the. I know how to make animated shows. You should give me that money, and then I'll run off with it to the Cayman Islands. Cause right. I don't know right. How to make an animated show. <laughs> Uh, perfect. Well, no, uh, no, this... well, no. We'll we'll just sell Patty Plague Doctor to like some Arab Emirates. That'll oh, perfect. <laughs> Great. I'll sell it to those people that make like the Bored Apes show. Mm. Or no. Well, we'll sell it to the guy who does Garfield slash Scoob Eats. Perfect. We'll do Patty Plague Eats. Oh, I'd love that. That's great. It's all leech themed. Mm. <laughs> leech lasagna. Yeah, there's, there's, you can buy our Four Humors risotto, which is four colors of risotto. Uh, it's even better than Risotto Tricolore from Big Night. It is, in fact, four colors of risotto. Uh, this so pizza is medieval. Yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a great show. Give me money, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll think about it. Or just, like, read that comic enough that people are like, oh, what's this? What's going on yeah. here? Um, read enough so that, sounds that great. it gets on Webtoon. Yeah, perfect. That's all I need. Uh, we, well, not we, because Justin will not be back next week, sadly. Unless you want to read the first four chapters of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> I, I Your will call. literally, 
Here's like I will do anything, Hitchhiker. You 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 know me. You know okay. me. I will That's true. I will cover the book. I will cover the game. I will cover the I will track I will cover the comic. I will cover the show, the movie, the radio. I Great. will track down scripts for the play if I have to. Amazing. Yeah, let's let's uh let's have you on. You can read these books. Um Perfect. So we'll be back next week as uh yeah, sure, Justin will be back. I'm oh, booking you. Cool. Um, great. We'll be back next week reading the first four chapters of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for anyone that wants to. Actually, let me grab my book. Let me double check that. Hold on. Sure. I'm not expecting this part to stay in the cut. All right. So we're doing about 30 pages a week, which means we're reading each book in like five weeks because these are like five 150-page books. These are no... I, I miss when, like, you could publish a book that was, like, under 200 pages. I miss when you could publish a book that was four-sixths of a radio play. Um, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, so we're reading the first four chapters of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, as we begin that journey, as you voted on, listeners, in our Media Madness 2022. Uh, and that will take us through most of the rest of the year, except for these little movie interstitials that we are doing between books. Um, so until then, uh, I just need you to know that it's all right. That's all right. The odds are not good. And that's okay. And that's okay. So the odds are not good. <laughs> I just that delivery is so funny. I like Donald Sutherland, but I've never laughed at him like I do in this movie. Oh my god. It's no, it's because he's I, honestly for me it's like the page boy haircut. It's like the page boy haircut is good. The beard is good. It's a good beard. It is. Um and he's just got that like it's not hammerhead. But he has big, he has big eyes that are also kind of far apart. So yeah. any yeah. expression he makes is just immediately funny. Yeah. God, this is one year after Mash. That's just so like after he just like blew up and became oh yeah one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, like this was a step down for him that he was like clearly doing for well friends. this is like a cameo right yeah. he's like oh elliot's doing this movie i'll go do this movie it's it's interesting that he does not become an altman guy um to my recollection uh he is not in another robert altman movie which i feel like there has to be a story there because altman famously has like a company that he uses like over and over again to cat do you know what i mean it must like, be that it must i'm sure it's also i'm sure there's also you know there's agents there's managers yeah that's there, true. there there are middlemen for all of this stuff i know but i just i do wonder sometimes when like when an actor when a director has like that much of a, a cast of players that oh, they yeah. use over and over again you're wes anderson you're christopher nolan um and then they have someone who doesn't show up again you're like mm, feel like there's a story here yeah. feel like there's something here. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there just isn't. Oh, yeah. But I am I guess I'm conspiratorial about that. Um, but it's not like he wasn't fucking busy in the 70s. He did five movies in 70, three in 71, three in 73. So maybe he just literally could not squeeze in, like, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. He just, like, could not make yeah, an appearance no, he, in Nashville. Every time he committed to something, Altman came a little too late. 
I'm so sorry. I can't be in Nashville. I have to be in Don't Look Now. I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't be in Popeye. I can't be in Popeye. Popeye, written by the writer of Little Mercy. Which is like, is so fucking funny. <laughs> so fucked. That's so weird. He uh, also did the uh, illustrations for Phantom Tollbooth. Oh, wow. I thought that comic you sent me looked fucking familiar. Oh, yeah. No, I'm like legitimately obsessed with this guy. Like, I love it. I think he's, like, such a weird... Also, like... He's also, like, right? Like, a lot of his old cartoons are, like, still painfully relevant. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, I need to watch Ordinary People, starring Donald Sutherland and Mary Tyler Moore and Judd Hirsch. I I gotta watch this movie. Have you not seen it? No! No! Oh, my God! Robert Redford's Best Picture winner in 1980, uh, shutting out what I assume is Popeye. (laughs) I I watched that twice. Uh, I've seen that movie twice. Both in school contexts. Oh, no, that never came up, despite my famously having gone to film school. Um, wait! No, I've seen it three times, all for film contexts. Oh, One for a, like... It was one of those bullshit, uh, like, Webster, like, interpersonal communication classes. Yeah, for sure. Like, the one, like, the one where, like, the one where, like, the teacher, where, like, our, the one assigned reading we have is, like, the four agreements. Yeah, it's, like, great, thanks. Um, Yeah, great, we have to keep, like, a weird journal, whatever, but we had to, like, watch that. Yeah, six, six, cool, 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 thanks. And then, like, I had to watch it for, like, a different communications class, but it was, like, communication through film. That reminds me, there was And this... I uh, failed that class because we had to watch uh, two movies every week. That's a lot of movies. It, it was. Like, on top of taking, like, all, on top, you know, Regular you know, like, full-time class load. Right. A lot. I just That's... didn't have time for it. And, and it was lot. an online class that required, like, constant engagement. Of, no, like, no. Messaging no. other people and that kind Commenting of shit. Commenting on people's posts. No, no. That reminds me of my, like, there's this one to two week period at Webster University where I had to watch E.T. the Extraterrestrial in class twice, and I begged for death. I did did not. um, I hate that movie. The first time I saw Ordinary People was in high school, actually. Oh, amazing. As part of our English class. Like, we were reading American literature, and we read the book. Mm -hmm. And, like, I went to a private school. And, like, that kind so, like, that kind of academic pressure added a whole different element it's bad i don't know you ever have one of those like cl- like english like or just one of those class moments where like people get like too real oh yes and they get and like they that's and like the classes just kind of turn into confessionals where it's like one person talking for like 15 minutes uninterrupted yeah and it was like obviously this like it it crosses the line from being relevant to the discussion to dog just like go to therapy yeah i hate to be that internet person who's like go to therapy but like this is not there like you obviously need to talk about this yeah it might it's probably at many uh, higher learning institutions it is covered in your tuition to go to counseling services yeah yeah no and we we did have like a student counselor but you know Mm-hmm. What they don't, you, you know what good they do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Arkin directed a production of the play of Little Murders, and it featured Fred Willard. What? I do not know in what part, but I want to see the 1969 Off Broadway production of Little Murders so bad. I who could he have been playing? I see. I want to cast him as Dupont. 
Like that. I would. Be... I would also cast him as Dupont. Hey, well, I, and he, that's all he'd right. make a such a good Alfred. That'd be such an against type Fred, because Fred Willard is always so like jovial and convivial. Well, no, that, see, that's why I'd want to play. Like when I was reading Alfred, I read him much more upbeat. Of like, mm, where he's mm. just like, mm, you know, I know, I just like Fred would be like, I take pictures of shit. I and it, you know, it wins me awards. Like yeah. that's who it'd be at the start. It, like what? Because they introduce him yeah. at. Yeah. Guess who's coming to dinner? Like, that's the opening scene of the play. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that's where we find out about, like, the... Um, and the uh, the the bit about, like, you know, if you tell a guy you're staring at him and he call you a liar, that's like a mini monologue for Alfred. Just talking to the family. Wow. That's interesting. I might want to read this play. It's good. It's a good play. It's very funny. Like, when they introduce Alfred... His first, he he doesn't speak for like a page, like mm-hmm. two pages, and his only stage directions are like Alfred smiles diffidently. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, uh, that sounds hmm, that sounds interesting. I should I should track that down. Whenever Lin Manuel revives the Dram Bookshop, there's no way this is in print. <laughs> there's no way this is. Oh, in probably print. not. That's what the local library is for. Get, yep, got it at the St. Louis uh, Public Library downtown. Yeah, check out your local library, folks. Oh, are we still including this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, we have not stopped recording. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. Uh, but I am reminded now of Robert Redford directed one of my favorite little movies, Quiz Show. Um, I love Quiz Show. And he directed Ordinary People, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, yeah, Quiz Show. He plays a good, I'm a sucker for, uh, for sensitive dads. I love... Mm-hmm. I love dads who just wanna just wanna be there for their boys. Quiz show also featuring Elizabeth Wilson from Little Murders, and that is what we call a closed loop, folks. So stop listening. I'm gonna end the episode now. Oh, good. I thought it ended like 20 minutes ago. I know, but we just kept chatting. It's we what they kept... come for. We were gabbing. This happens all the time where I close the show and then we just keep. Keep fucking yakking. X don't give it to you. Fuck way for you to get it on your own. X don't deliver to you. Knock knock. Open up the door and spill. With the nonstop pop out and stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make a motherfucker wonder if you did. Damn right, and I do it again. Cause I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I break who you sending me. You motherfuckers never want another but your life saved. Bitch, and that's on a light day. I'm getting down. Your stare was holding red sheen skin was showing. Bitch, please. The only thing you can't steal was came out the plate. Stay out my way, motherfucker. Fox, do we gonna fall? Do we let it pop? Don't let it go. X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. We gonna fuck. Do we gonna fall? Do we let it pop? Don't let it go. X gon' give it to ya. He gon' give it to ya. X gon' give it to ya. This has been a talk back.